This evening, I want to tell the story of Millie's journey to ministry. It is an inspiration to all of us. It is a story of courage, endurance, and humility. As I hear her story, I find myself moved by the example of Millie's integrity, her willingness to grow and change, her courage in standing up for what she believes. Millie was the youngest child of secular parents. Her mother had just drifted away from her Episcopal church. Her father was vehemently anti-Christian, blaming religion for many of the ills of the world. And Millie's family were not very social. But she and her brother grew up with a strong sense of civic responsibility. It was important to speak up. It was important to vote. It was important to be engaged in the world. Millie's parents also imbued their children with an appreciation and love of nature. The family took camping trips, went hiking, and backpacking, and they just, all of them, really loved being out in the beauty of nature. And Millie shared with her family also a love of music, whether it be campfire protest or folk songs, her brother on the guitar, or at home where their father played the piano and they would gather around him and sing. Growing up, Millie felt very close to her mother's working class family. It was this, perhaps, that led to Millie's concern about issues of social inequality. When she was still in high school applying to college, Millie found a scholarship offered by the AFL-CIO. Preparing her application for that scholarship, Millie studied the history of organized labor and became committed to their cause. Soon after Millie graduated from high school, her mother died following a long bout of cancer. It was a sad, sad loss. Millie's father then experienced the grueling process of medical insurance companies, and the cost of her mother's medical care nearly crippled the family financially. So Millie became newly aware of the injustice of the medical care system. When she went to college, Millie was known as a social activist, maintaining her connection to the union movement. She graduated with a degree in political science and then applied to law school, planning to become a labor lawyer. But after a year and a half, Millie withdrew. The stress of working to support herself and full-time law studies were just too much. And so she looked for a job in the skilled trades, which were just then opening up jobs for women. Recently in church, Millie spoke of this early work experience, and this is what she said. I was 22, the first woman hired in a foundry in Arizona. The work, pouring molten steel into sand-cast molds, was dangerous, 
hot and physically difficult. I could barely do it. My main task was to lunge at the molds with a metal pole, knocking off one rim, so the molten steel would pour into the next mold. The rims didn't break easily. Downstream was another new hire. He had to get not only his share, but also the ones I failed to get. I was clearly not his equal. I was disappointed with myself. On the next break, a small, older man took me aside, saying, it was not the degree of force, but where to place the pole that mattered. Millie explained, he'd seen me struggling, willing to give my all, and he responded with compassion. He treated me as a person of equal worth and dignity. Closing this reflection, Millie said, May I live up to such wisdom in how I treat others. And Millie, that you surely do. Several years after the foundry job, Millie, then married with a baby Jeff, was living in Utah. And there they became involved with a rather rough crowd. And one day, an acquaintance brutally attacked Millie. When the attack came, Millie did not freeze as she feared, but found she had the power to fight back. After this traumatic experience, Millie decided to gain control over her life. She no longer would allow things just to happen. So Millie, now divorced, moved to California and got a job with PG&E. Soon she advanced to control operator in a power plant. And after the 89 earthquake, Millie did an outstanding job as part of the restoration team in a substation. She told me she felt useful. She felt she'd accomplished something. She felt proud. Around Thanksgiving in 1989, Millie met Leslie Reif, whom some of us remember well, and they married in 1993. Their son, Daniel, was born. Millie continued to work for PG&E, but now in their downtown office. Leslie became a schoolteacher, and they started looking for a religious home for their family. The Sunday before 9-11, they came to this church, and they came back the following Sunday. Soon all three of them felt connected here, and they soon joined the church. Then one night, as you've already heard, in 2004, suddenly and unexpectedly, Millie's husband Leslie died. This death jolted Millie into evaluating her own life. She felt a new sense of urgency to the question, what does it all mean? And then, as Millie put it, the ministry thing crept up on me. <laughs> Initially, Millie dismissed the idea, thinking she did not have the right attributes. She was an introvert, socially not at ease. She did not claim to be an intellectual. But the idea persisted. I wish 
I could do something like that, she thought. Here at church, Millie became a worship associate. She found she liked preparing reflections and was amazed by people's response to them. A few years ago, Millie offered a workshop called Class Conversations, and she became a facilitator of our small group ministries. The thought returned, but now the thought was, I can become a minister. In 2011, Millie enrolled in Star King School for the ministry. Beginning school again after all those years was daunting and challenging. But in her second year, Millie gained much needed support from Dorsey Blake when he became her advisor. Millie also continued to receive encouragement from the ministers and members of this congregation. In 2013, Millie met the man she would later marry, Richard Saunders, who brought her welcome reassurance, affirmation, and as a jazz musician, nurtured Millie's early love for music. After seminary, Millie did her internship with the congregation in Santa Rosa, where she also was greatly supported and encouraged by her supervising minister, Chris Bell, and that congregation. In her last sermon in Santa Rosa, Millie spoke of the importance of contributing. She said, I love and honor those who submerge in the mundane tasks of the world because they truly contribute to the needs of humanity. Currently, Millie is consulting minister of the Unitarian Universalist congregation in Lake County, and I am sure they will find, as we have found, that Millie does submerge himself in the tasks of the world, because she knows from her own experience this does contribute to the needs of humanity. We have heard it in her story. Millie wanted to do the best she could pouring molten metal in a foundry. Millie, who did an extraordinary job working on the restoration team at the PG&E substation. Millie, who facilitates small group ministries, helping people listen deeply to themselves and to one another. I said at the start I would tell of Millie's journey to the ministry, but underlying this is a deeper story a story of courage and spiritual growth. It is this story of courage and spiritual growth which is an inspiration to every one of us as in our living, we each write our own story. And I end with this quote Millie used in a sermon by Tagore. I slept and dreamt that life was joy. I awoke and saw that life was service. I acted and behold, service was joy. Millie, may you serve this world you love so much with great joy. Blessings on your ministry. <laughs>